I'm Katie. And I'm Steve, and this is the City of Reading Podcast. The holiday season is upon us, and while we're all excited for family and tasty holiday food, it's also a well-known fact in the Reading Fire Department that there will be a house fire in Reading on at least one, if not all, of the major holidays. And if that surprises you, just to bring some numbers to the table, roughly 2,300 residential fires were reported annually in the U.S. on Thanksgiving Day alone between 2017 and 2019, according to FEMA. This makes Thanksgiving the most fire-prone day of the year and the second leading cause of home fire deaths. Additionally, in December, an average of 128,000 fires resulted in 415 deaths across the U.S. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day rank second and third, respectively, for the most fire-prone day of the year, with twice the daily average of reported fires. So, not to bring up scare tactics during the most joyful time of year, but talking about safety over the holidays is essential. Families cook more often, have more guests, light more candles and fires, hang holiday lights and celebrate with cocktails that can impair judgment and our sense of caution. In this episode, we speak with Eric Matson, Battalion Chief, and Sarah Roth, Fire Prevention Specialist, both with the Reading Fire Department, for a few holiday horror stories and some important safety reminders. Hi, my name is Eric Matson. I'm a Battalion Chief uh, here with the Department. Uh, I oversee the Training Division, manage all of our training drills, our records, a lot of our techie stuff and things like that, and I also dabble a little bit of social media. Uh, I've been with the city of Reading for uh, 25 years now. So this is going to be my 26th Christmas season with the fire department. So got a few little tips and tricks and things that typically happen during the holidays that I want to tell you guys about. My name is Sarah Roth. I'm the fire prevention specialist for Reading Fire Department. I've been in the fire service for about seven years now, uh, starting out in Red Bluff and working my way through Cal Fire and joining Reading's department just a couple of months ago. With that, we'll jump into holiday horror story number one, Ashes, Ashes, It All Burns Down. So for for holidays for the department, there's kind of a a known that we kind of anticipate having a fire or some type of incidents. The holidays are always famous for that. I can remember a couple, uh, Christmas Day specifically, we almost always have some type of a structure fire. So with our rotating shifts, I had to work a couple Christmases. And uh, about 20 years ago, I was working at Fire Station 5, which is there at the corner of Churn Creek and Hartnell. And on Christmas Day, we kind of have a holiday routine, so to say, where we get our equipment checks done. And then we uh, we typically set up to fix a big brunch and have a nice crew breakfast with everyone. And then uh, in the evening time, we'll cook a ham or a turkey or a prime rib or something like that. So we had just got done in the kitchen. And we had this beautiful, gorgeous breakfast ready to go. I still salivate over this breakfast because I was ready to eat and just, uh, I was very hungry, needless to say. Well, we were just putting all the last dishes on the table and getting ready to sit down as a crew. And uh, our dispatch comes up and says, Structure Fire District 5 on, I think it was Irwin. So we immediately, for structure fires, we always jump up and run out to the fire engines. Well, as we're running out, um, the windows at the station look out, and it was looking towards the way where Irwin Drive was at. And we look up and we can see this big black column coming up in the sky. And at that point, we knew we have a working fire. So this is the Christmas Day fire that typically happens. We're like, oh, here we go. So we go rolling in. Of course, it's a working fire. Um, it was in the house, in the living room, and into the bedrooms. And uh, the neighbors had said that the family wasn't there. So there was no uh, no one was injured in the fire. And we managed to put the fire out. Once we got the fire knocked down, we started asking the neighbors, you know, where are the, where are the people who live here? And they mentioned that 
they had just left that morning to go visit family up in Oregon. Well, this was early 2000s, so cell phones weren't quite what they are today. So we wanted to try to find the family or get a hold of them before they made it all the way way up in Oregon. So uh, we put out an APB to the California Highway Patrol, the Oregon Highway Patrol, to look for uh, this family's vehicle. A couple hours later, we get a call back stating that the Oregon Highway Patrol saw this car go by and pulled them over on Christmas Day. Unfortunately, the uh, officer had to be the bearer of bad news that they said, hey, your, your house caught fire and you guys need to turn around and go back home. So they uh, they turned around. We continued to mop up the fire and our investigators came in and looked to see where the cause of the fire was at. They kind of isolated it to a certain area just outside the house over by the garbage cans. When the family arrived back at the house, they got there. Our investigators came and spoke with the gentleman and kind of pointed to where the area where they thought the fire started. And the gentleman immediately goes, you know what? I had put my ashes in the garbage can this morning before we left to go out of town. And I bet they were still hot. And sure enough, that's what our investigator found is that the fireplace ashes that they had from having a fire the night before on Christmas Eve didn't let them cool down long enough. And it ultimately started the garbage can on fire, which started the side of the house on fire, which got in the attic, which got in the back of the house. So uh, unfortunately, it was kind of a holiday horror story for that family, things that they should have done better, just leave those ashes out for a week. Let them make sure they're dead out. If you, if you have those ashes, spread them out, put your hand in them, gently, gently put your hand in them. They should not be warm whatsoever. So unfortunately it was a tragedy, but you know, I will always remember that Christmas day fire because they found the family. It was kind of a, a neat story there. We were able to get them back, but, uh, we always burn those Christmas Day fires. So some tips that we can take away from that to keep our holidays safe is when you have a wood burning stove or a fireplace, either leave the ashes in there to cool for five days to a week or have a specific ash bin where you keep it away from that first five feet of your structure. Have it somewhere safe where it can take the appropriate time to cool down before throwing it away in the trash. And you can also take away from that story Closing your doors at night or before you leave the house, closing them because it can stop the fire spread from going into those bedrooms and hopefully saving a little bit more of your property when that does happen. So double checking your appliances and just doing a thorough double check of your house before you leave for any period of time because uh, in that story specifically, it didn't take too terribly long for the ashes to end up spreading and setting the house on fire. So those are some tips to take away from that story. So two other takeaways real quick with that, closing the doors, the bedrooms in that house, they actually damaged the kids' bedrooms because the doors were open and fire did get into that. And then secondly, what everyone wants to know, were there any Christmas presents damaged? No, they had already opened up the day before. So um, we didn't take away all the joys of Christmas with regards to that. <laughs> but um, that's one story that family will never, ever forget about their Christmas day. That is quite the story. I'm curious when you when you talk about the fire needing to be, I think you said full out and before putting in the dumpster. What is the process? Is it just leaving it in the fireplace until it's, it's cool to the touch, or the things that you can, if you know you're going out of town, can you actively, I don't know, douse it with water, do other things to cool it down any quicker? Yeah, so you can you can add water. The best way is if you put it in some type of metal bin, you can bring it outside, um, let it sit for a couple of days. If you're unsure if it's out. You can stir it up with a shovel or something and, and hold your hand over it, and you can typically feel heat. Those ashes will hold heat for a really long time. 
A lot of people underestimate. They think, oh, it goes out in a day or two because that's how quickly it should. Well, no, there's a lot of heat that gets held up in those ashes. So that's kind of the, the key to it if you don't want to leave it in your fireplace. Because uh, a lot of times with fireplaces, those ashes build up and you got to take them out. Take them out of a long ways away. What Sarah said, that first five feet of your house is the most dangerous that you guys need to protect because that's how fire is going to get actually into your house. So yeah, and one of the one of the questions you mentioned too that the fire investigators are the ones who came in and and initially determined that fire to you know to start in the in the garbage cans. I imagine there's a whole science behind the investigation of a fire, but how I guess if you had to go from the thirty thousand foot level, how do you how does an investigator go about honing in on on that fire starting from the garbage can when the house you know the entire house was essentially engulfed? Yes. Yeah, so what what you basically do is you start from the most unburned portion of the house and you work your way backwards to the most burned. You want to eliminate areas that you know it didn't start. So those back bedrooms that had a little bit of fire damage, you know it didn't start there. You get into the living room. Yeah, there's some char, but there's more char up in the attic. Well, there was a whole lot of char on the outside. So you start eliminating through the process of elimination where it came from. Then once you get to kind of the origin area, our investigators actually will look and go, okay, was there electrical cords around there? Could there have been an electrical problem? Was there the garbage can? What items were in the area where the fire started so that we can kind of take a look and start eliminating things? On that day, it was a sunny, clear day. We know lightning didn't strike and cause a fire on the outside of the house. So those are all the little steps that a fire investigator will go through to work their way back to where this small origin is. And, and they can get pretty tedious in looking through a rubble pile of a house that burnt down. They're going to go through almost with a fine tooth comb to try to locate where the fire might have started. So a lot of times they'll find like frayed wires and we can determine that's what it was. If it was an arson or accelerant, um, they have the ability to send those off to labs and determine if there was some type of an accelerant. So um, you never know what started a fire. Um, we're surprised all the time. Sometimes you think, oh, it had to be this, and it's not. You know, the old uh, Meeks building, they pulled up the cameras and there was some raccoon or something out in the middle of the yard. So um, that's still quite the funny joke that it was a, a varmint that started the fire. They think it got into some type of wiring and that was what started the fire. So we're always surprised at what can start fires. Holiday horror story number two does not actually come from a Reading family, but it's a classic fire example that our fire department has seen way too many times. This one comes from Vista, California in 2022. When the family is away, the lights will play. A few days before Christmas, the Paz family went to a movie in Vista, California. As the movie ended, phone calls began to pour in on the family's cell phones. Clearly, there was an emergency. As they left the movie theater and rushed home, they learned that their four-bedroom house had caught fire while they were gone, and unfortunately, there wasn't much left. Fire investigators narrowed the cause of the fire to the Christmas tree lights that had been left on all day and night. A live Christmas tree coupled with lights that had become too hot sparked a fire that destroyed their home and their holidays. The good news was that the family was safe. However, according to the National Fire Protection Association, 160 house fires are started annually by Christmas trees. And if you think artificial Christmas trees are the safe answer, an electrical fire started from an artificial Christmas tree in Sacramento cost a woman her life in the early morning hours of December 25th, 2022. So here are a few things you can do to make sure you don't become one of those statistics. So we do, we'll do have Christmas trees. The couple things that you want to do when you get that Christmas tree, remember cut two inches off the trunk before you put it in. Um, make sure the tree's at least three foot away from any heat source or fireplaces. Um, your tree's not blocking an exit. That's another key. 
don't don't put it in front of the door. I know it might be the right spot, but you know that could be a way out that you need to do. Um, and make sure you add water every day. When it comes to lighting, make sure you get good lights. Make sure they're they're UL approved. I think most lights that they sell now are that. Any bad strings, get rid of those. So always just take care of that. You just got to pay attention to the tree. Don't let it get too far behind of being dried out. And make sure you turn your Christmas tree's lights off when you go to bed. There's lots of timers out there. You know, have it come on about four o'clock. That's when it starts getting dark and by 10 or 11, when you go to bed, just set that timer to go off. A lot of people like the lights. So use those timers. Those are cheap for what you can do. And what about for the artificial Christmas trees? Those are really popular these days, right? Lots of people are no longer having live trees in their home. They have an artificial tree that's maybe been stuffed in a box for the entire year. And it, usually those come with their own Christmas lights or their own strands in there. Is there is there a way to check those or make sure that that's still good to go before you... Uh, so the electric Christmas trees are a great option. Um, you don't have to you know, keep up on the water or anything. Um, I've used them before. I personally, I recommend unplugging at night still. Uh, everybody's going to bed inside the house, so nobody's going to be awake to see the lights anyways. That's the way that I look at it. So you might as well just unplug. And most of us are up before the kids in the morning anyway. So if you want to plug them back in, go for it. They're not as, because the trees plow. It's you know not a dead dying tree. You don't have to remember to put the water in. So it takes away some of those responsibilities of you know, keeping the tree alive longer, but still um, have be cognizant and you know just practice unplugging the trees when you go to bed at night still or when you're leaving. You know, sometimes things happen and you don't get home exactly when you'd like to. But and they all kind of tie together. Doing the double check of your house before you leave. It's good on the holidays, of course, but it's good to practice on your general days as well. And with that, say it's it's just another electrical device as part of your Christmas ensemble. Take a look at that tree. You never know if some rats or mice or anything got in that box over the winter time. If the lights are flashing on and off, uh, something's wrong. Have that have that light bulb. If it doesn't seem normal, something's probably wrong with it. You probably need to replace it or just get rid of it. Next up, holiday horror story number three. That's a wrap on the house. So another Christmas Day fire. It's like clockwork a lot of time. It's an unfortunate, but um, we know that people sometimes get careless. It's Christmas Day. You have family. You're maybe not on your best guard to uh, play the safety card. You just want to relax and uh, not mess with things. So I remember growing up as a kid, our favorite thing to do is what do you do with the wrapping paper? You don't want to pile it up. If you have a fireplace, you throw it in there. The fireplace yeah. gets going, it gets warm, and it's lots of family fun. Well, this is Christmas evening or so, probably four or five o'clock. I remember it was still light out. We get called for a structure fire again. We go rolling over there and we show up and the whole attic and roof are on fire of this house. So uh, we go in and start putting it out, get it knocked down. The fire investigators come. The family's all there because they were just celebrating Christmas all that day. We ask them, what were you guys doing with that wrapping paper? And sure enough, they were putting in that fireplace because the chimney probably wasn't cleaned out enough it was not able to take all that extra heat and everything else. And the paper got up in the chimney and it ultimately worked its way over the attic. So there's a lot of things to think about. Um, you really don't want to burn wrapping paper. I know it's pretty fun and it's an enjoyable part of Christmas, but uh, we really want to try to avoid that stuff. And those are some big things not to do. Yeah, I think takeaway from that is clear, you know, just don't throw things that shouldn't go into the fireplace, into the fireplace. Keep keep the wrapping paper, large amounts of, you know, any kind of fuel 
fuel to go in there. Just keep them minimal. And then you also want to keep that chimney clean. This is all winter long. Um, you know, we're coming to those winter months here. It's already started getting cold and rainy and everything. Pay for that chimney sweep to come out. You really need to get all that creosote that's in there. We do go on chimney fires quite a bit. It's not just wrapping paper that gets oh, go, but man. that buildup happens. And uh, we want to make sure everybody's fire safe. We hate coming to your house when it's on fire. And is, is that best practice to get that chimney clean annually? Absolutely. Yeah. Every year. And we know when winter comes and when the weather starts cooling down. So planning that ahead of time and making for sure that your chimney flue is cleaned out before you set that first fire is definitely important and highly recommended. Once you once you start burning, a lot of times we just kind of let it go like, oh, I'll do it next week or whatever. And then we're halfway through the winter and haven't done it. And so, yeah, just planning that at the beginning of the season, like any kind of annual uh, schedule that you make, doctor's appointments, things like that. Just put it on your calendar and have it you know, done before the cold season comes. And, and is that something that you have to get the service of a professional to do? Or is that something homeowners can do their, themselves? We recommend a professional. There's a lot of places, uh, your big box retailers, those places probably have chimney sweep type of devices. However, this involves you using a ladder, getting up on the roof, taking the top off, maybe not putting it back together. We'd rather you not fall off the top of your chimney. That's going to be even a worse day. There's, I think there's quite a few chimney sweep people in the in the city of Reading here that you guys can call. Just Google them. I'm sure it's a fairly reasonable fee to do it, but it's just a little bit of peace of mind for a little bit of money to have your chimney cleaned. And what about for electric fireplaces that, you know, they still have live flame in them, but obviously they're not, you're not putting things actively in there. Is there any type of maintenance that folks need to be concerned with on an annual basis for those? So for those, no, but with any heat source, you want to make sure you have clearance in front of it. Uh, you know, a lot of people will, if it's a rainy day or if we happen to get that snowstorm that comes in and you've got wet socks or wet gloves or things like that, I'm guilty as charged for leaning them up against whatever heat source we have. Yeah. All those things, we need to not do that. We need to make sure we have proper clearance. If, if you do have to dry those, get a rack and leave it set away. The gas fireplaces, the electrical ones, you don't really need to do anything with those. Those are fine for preventative maintenance. You just want to check the electrical cords and things like that and make sure there's plenty of clearance around um, wherever you're leaving them at. Try not to leave those on at night or when you leave the house. Uh, you really want to be mindful of when those are on. Lastly, holiday horror story number four, Hell's Kitchen. This isn't just one story. There are so many kitchen fires that most firefighters don't remember or recall them all, and the news rarely picks them up because they're so common. There's the story with the dad who is frying something on the stove and walks into the living room to find something to watch on TV, only to have the oil spill over onto the open flames and catch the whole kitchen on fire. Don't worry, everyone made it out of the house safely, including the two cats, but the house sustained massive damage. There's the story where the boyfriend cooking dinner for the girlfriend starts a small grease fire cooking bacon on a pan and forgets that oil and water don't mix. He tries to douse the flames with water in the sink only to create a fireball that lights the ceiling on fire. Luckily, everyone was okay in this story, too. There's also the one where the family has been cooking Thanksgiving dish after Thanksgiving dish in the oven all day, heating the grease on the bottom of the stove to a point of no return and lighting a fire in the oven itself. As they try to put the fire out with a fire extinguisher, they find it does not have enough juice to squash the flames, and 911 is called. There's also the infamous turkey fryer fire with a still-frozen turkey, again with the oil and water firebomb, and countless other kitchen fires started by inattentiveness, too many cooks in the kitchen, guests in the house, a few too many drinks, and or faulty or dirty kitchen appliances. There's a reason more kitchen fires start on Thanksgiving than any other day of the year. And yes, it could happen to you too.
So I, I think some of your holiday tips for cooking fires and things like that, take time before all the family comes over and clean your oven out. Um, a lot of times, you know, we were famous for just kind of letting stuff spill and you get all this buildup on your oven. At Christmas time, you have to cook six casseroles and everything else in your oven all at one time. So it's going all day long. So you have all this buildup of stuff and all you need is a little bit of oil and some type of a flame and that oven's going to catch fire. So um, start with a clean oven. That would be the first thing to do. Have that fire extinguisher in your kitchen. Know what to do. If you have grease fires, cover it up with a towel or use some flour. We don't want to use water on a lot of your grease fires. That's just going to cause a whole lot more problems. As soon as you spray water on it, it's going to flare up. It's going to get in those cabinets and it's going to burn all over your house. So be prepared with when it comes to that stuff. Um, there's always the turkey fryers. Uh, everybody's seen those. You can YouTube those all day long of the person that didn't defrost their turkey or didn't do the oil right. If you're going to do those turkey fryers, do them a long ways away from your house, please. So if there is something uh, it's not going to catch your house on fire or your wood deck. Make sure you don't overfill the pot either. Overfill Maybe the pot, yes. Figure out the day so, beforehand how yes. much you need in there. And uh, also, I, I'm sure no one on this podcast or in this room likes to participate in alcoholic beverages during the Christmas season. But um, if you do start drinking quite a bit, maybe it's not your time to be in the kitchen. Leave that to someone who's not doing that. Alcohol can be a big impairment to stuff. So please uh, drink responsibly, even at home. It's not just a driving on the road. It's actually in the kitchen at other times where you need to be responsible. Well, I think that's one of the things you said, Eric. The holidays are not your normal routine, right? Like nothing about the holidays is normal. You either have family in town or you have special events you're rushing out to or you've got more in the oven or more on the stovetop than you normally have. Like it's not normal. So when it's not normal, you don't remember to do the things that keep you safe the other 363 days of the year or whatever, right? Yes, for sure. And, and like you said, everybody's cooking more. I mean, every one of us in here can remember something that was burnt at Christmas or Thanksgiving or any of those holiday times, because you just lost track. All of a sudden, the kids are screaming, or you got to go do something else. And before you know it, grandma burnt her rolls or something like that. And burnt rolls are okay. But, uh, you know, pay attention to stuff, kind of have that plan, time it out. I know it's hard to do that stuff, but hopefully this is a good takeaway for everybody. Just just be that little bit aware. Just have that thing in the back of your head of like it's cooking and you go, oh, I remember Eric and Sarah said something about this on that podcast with the city of Reading. And I need to remember that or I need to kick drunk Uncle Joe out of the kitchen because he had too much to drink. So. <laughs> Just for good measure, here are some other holiday tips worth following too. Candles are warming, smell good, and can definitely set the holiday mood, but don't forget to blow them out when you leave the room or, of course, if you leave the house. Invest in LED candles to ensure you aren't keeping an open flame near holiday decorations. Unattended candles start hundreds of fires each year. Be sure to get your chimney inspected by a professional cleaner before you light that first big fire of the season. Buildup can cause all sorts of problems, the biggest being a fire that can easily spread to the attic of your home. A few hundred dollars is worth some peace of mind while warming up the house during the holidays. Be extra careful with electrical plugs, extension cords, and light strands. This is the time of year when we typically try to plug too many things into too many other things to make all the things light up. The problem is overloading circuits, overheating electrical connections, and sparking issues on dead leaves and rooftops. Keep Christmas trees well watered and toss them out when it's time. A dry tree is a dangerous tree, and the irony of the warm glow of a Christmas tree in your home over the holidays turning into the thing that destroys your home is one Save for horror stories and not real life. 
You know, the Reading Fire Department, we cover the city 365 days a year. So um, over this holiday season, every day we're going to have 30 firefighters here on duty that are able to respond. So Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, they're spending time away from their families. A lot of times for the fire department, just what do what do we do if there's not fires or medical emergencies? So we'll typically have Christmas there at the fire station. So we invite family members over. Sometimes they'll eat with us. They'll bring some presents. The kids will come over. You know, it's kind of, we celebrate at the fire station, but we're still ready to go. We enjoy serving. We enjoy doing what we do. You know, a lot of the times I enjoyed working those Christmas days because I had a chance to help people. And this community is so great. When you do go out on Christmas Day, there's like this extra level of appreciation, compassion from everyone, you know, because we don't want problems on Christmas Day. No one wants to. You really don't want to see us. So, you know, we want to get it fixed. We want to get it taken care of. And we want you guys to enjoy your holiday season. So on behalf of everyone here with the Reading Fire Department and Sarah, uh, we hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday season. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Just remember, if it doesn't look right, it probably isn't. So uh, take a look at what you're doing and please be holiday safe. We don't want to have to see and call our number, which is 911.